We're talking E's newest reality show, Famously Single, with Dr. Darcy Sterling herself. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. I took my troubles down to Madame Rue. You know that gypsy with the gold cap too. What up, AfterBuzz? This is your boy DJ Jesse J here in studio for the famously single AfterBuzz TV After Show. I'm joined in studio with one of my favorite peoples in the world. We got Miss Tiana Hobson. Oh, hi. You're one of my favorite people, too. Hey, girl. Hey, boy. Ooh, well, we got to get into it. We stop the music. Stop the music. <laughs> because she's here. She's on the line. And we need so many questions answered. We have the one, the only, the star of the show, Dr. Darcy Sterling on the line. Hey, boo. How's it going? Good. Thank you for clearing your schedule. I know you got a busy one over there uh, and making some time for... in between clients. Just shoved one right out the door and here we are. Here we are. I love it. Well, first of all, can we just talk about um, hot stuff? That's what you'd be talking to your clients in, girl. Okay. (laughs) Oh, come on. This is totally... I'm totally covered. No, yeah, but you look (laughs) good, mama. I'm living for it. Um, Okay, first of all, congratulations on the show. We love it. Thank you. And I, I know we were just kind of quickly talking about it before, but, you know, this was kind of something new for you, and, you know, you're happy with how it's turned out? Yes, I really am. What was your biggest kind of concern going into a show like this? We see, we've seen some other shows where there are therapists involved, um, sometimes life coaches. Uh, what was your biggest concern with doing a reality type show? Um, and then, with, especially with like an E, where we haven't seen them do this kind of format before. What was your kind of thoughts going in? So my concern was not E! specific because I love the network and I actually did my television debut with E! in Mm -hmm. 2011. Um, My concern was more of a generalized paranoia that perhaps I was committing professional suicide. Because I got myself a nice little situation here in Manhattan. I'm right here on Fifth Avenue. My wife is right on the other side of my wall. And we are, you know, we're not kids. We've worked really hard 20 years to build the practice that we have. And the impetus for doing the show for, for me, and I think for my wife as well, very much wanted me to do the show was about bringing relationship skills to the masses. My concern was that, you know, how is this going to be portrayed? Is it going to exploit drama more than it needs to? Is it going to... Is it going to be a teachable, is it going to teach people things? Because at the end of the day, that's the only reason I did it. Because we all need to learn relationship skills. So I wanted to whet people's appetites about the whole idea that we're not born with these skills. We have to learn these skills. The celebrities are amazing to work with because they are the entry point on these general issues that we all struggle with. And at what point in the pre-production process were you brought on to the project? Was it pretty early on so you could have a say in how everything went down or was it pretty late into the game? You know, I didn't expect to have a say in anything whatsoever. Um, but the the executive producers were incredibly, they very much wanted me to buy into everything and to sign off on everything because they knew that from the viewer's perspective and also from the castmates' perspective, these were my exercises that I was 
that I was teaching them, that I, that I was coming up with. So they were, I didn't expect to have much of a collaborative part, but I did wind up having, surprisingly, a collaborative role in it. They, um, they listen, I didn't get to pick my clothing. I didn't get to pick my makeup, my hair. The arch of my eyebrow <laughs> was literally determined by an expert who then, um, who subsequently, she took my tweezers away. Because apparently I didn't have good brows before the show. <laughs> we since fixed that, hopefully. Um, but so she confiscated my tweezers. Like the only thing I had control over was what came out of my mouth during mm. this entire experience. And never once was I told to edit myself or to steer my castmates in any direction. You know, I would come off set and I would say, "How did that? How did I do?" And the note was always, "You did good. You did you." And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Right. <laughs> you, know, you want more of something, you want less of something. They were like, no, Darcy, you just do you. You're fine. And that's how the whole that's how the whole thing went. So at the end of the day, I trust E to know how I should dress <laughs> and better than I trust myself, especially after that comment at the top. I'm a little too sexy for my clients, apparently. No, I didn't say too sexy. I said you look good. I, I mean, like, <laughs> okay. here's my thing. When I first met you, I met you on the NBC carpet. And I think I said the same exact thing. What I love about the show is that a lot of times, and even with in life, I mean, a lot of people that I meet as far as relationship uh advisors or coaches go most of them aren't in a relationship and when you told me you had a wife I was like I was really excited because how my thing is okay everyone everyone can give advice but for me to take it I would love for you to be living in it and so the fact that you've been through the experience and you've gone through it and you you still are with your partner that you know not to say that you can't get advice anywhere else but it's refreshing to hear that and and I it, and you had said to me really a lot of coaches aren't in relationships and the ones I've dealt with no have are, are not so that's refreshing to see that um, and then the other thing with the show for with you guys I do love that you um, with a lot of reality TV and a lot of these celebrities they don't get to have the conversation and I do love that you take the celebrity part of it and bring it down to such a relatable level to where if someone was not has no idea we could never picture themselves in that celebrity's shoes you always bring it to a comment of relatability and i love that like when we saw uh callum and um uh, please, Brandy together. You know, you really hit these the, these points of it was their past, this thing from their past, and they keep chasing after the same type of person. And if you could kind of break that apart for us, we get into these situations in life. We see with uh, with Brandy, she goes after the comfortable guy. As far as our viewers are concerned, kind of go a little deeper with what you mean by this comfort person and how it's attached to our, our childhood or a traumatic moment. Wow, that's an amazing question. I hope I can do it justice. I hope so, so too. Right? <laughs> We're all hoping. All right, let me try. So um, what happens in life is that none of us escape childhood without some battle wounds, right? Mm -hmm. We learn how to love and what love means through our caregivers. So we're raised in whatever sort of family dynamic, group dynam dynamic we're raised in. I'm gonna use myself as an example just because um, I, you know, it's easier than me pretending that it's a client, which is what every therapist does, and it's really <laughs> they're talking about themselves. So here's the deal. So I was raised with um, a very angry, rageful father. 
Mm-hmm. And as a little girl, I would get frightened of him and I would turn to my mom who was like the poster child for nurturing and always so safe and warm and just amazing, the exact opposite of my dad. And I would turn to her and ask her to, you know, for some guidance when he would act like a lunatic. And she would say, honey, it's it's that daddy loves you so much. He cares so much that he loses his temper. So what I link up is temper and passion and acting like a maniac with love. Mm. Then I grew up into adult Darcy. I go out into the world and, you know, I'm looking for someone with whom I just gel with, with whom I just vibe, right? I'm looking for that familiar, the, the sense that like we've known each other forever. So I meet, for example, Steph, and we do one of three things with the partner. We either pick a partner who winds up replicating our parents' worst traits. If we're lucky enough and we don't pick a partner who does that, you think you've dodged a bullet and you haven't. So I was lucky, or so I thought, because she's (laughs) not like that at all. And I was like, whew, I definitely pick better this time. But then we do one of two other things. We either provoke those behaviors because We've linked up what love is supposed to be like. And for me in that in that scenario, it's somebody who is sort of emotionally out of control and, and liable. Or we project those characteristics onto the partner. We imagine that that those characteristics are are coming from our partner when our partner actually isn't. And you see that a lot of times with people who are jealous in relationships. Um, they'll be dating a partner who may have no history of cheating, but they're so paranoid and it's almost like they're they're they they're create. Punishing. Right. Exactly. They're punishing the they're punishing their partner for a crime that they've never committed and then why the hell not commit it? And so it's that is what we call the comfort of it's that x factor we're not really sure how to put words to it we can't really describe it it just feels like we've known them forever because we have Mm, but it's really knowing ourselves and so to kind of stem off that there's always this quote of in order for you to love somebody you have to love yourself first you can't get into a relationship if you're not happy with yourself you can't find love through another person Without finding love within yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's my question with that. You see kids, they be high school sweethearts. And then they grow up and, like my parents, they've been together for 36 years through from high school. So, to me, that I look at that and it's like, okay, um, they probably didn't really know themselves in high school. You know, I, I feel like... You know, I didn't find myself till in my 20s, still finding myself. So where does, is that statement like a true thing, would you say? You have to love yourself, you have to know yourself in order to love somebody else? Well, I mean, I think your parents are testament to the fact that there's always exceptions to the rule, right? Because you don't know yourself when you're a teenager. Your brain isn't even fully developed, we're realizing now, until we're in our early 30s. So um, as we learn more about our brains and about human development and the fact that we're not even fully formed until our early 30s and as our lifespan gets um, greater and great more and more extended people postpone making these lifelong commitments year by year 
people are waiting longer to make these commitments because they want to wait until they know themselves a little bit better. Mm. Um, I would say generally speaking, that's that's what we want. Two halves don't make a whole. You have to be a whole person. And look, relationships are like the greatest Zoom mirror imaginable because when we're in a relationship, our partner is going to hold a mirror up to us and magnify our worst attributes and traits. They will point them out. That, And I call these relationship amateurs or relationship hobbyists. These are people, which is like the, the vast majority of us who do not the vast majority of people who do not have relationship skills they've never been trained in relationship skills so they're just they're they're doing their best and and most of us believe that um we're supposed to be trying to get our especially women i think i don't know if you saw last night's episode uh episode five but i think that um my my colleague robert mack who is one of the dating coaches said the irony about women is that women meet a man and they imagine what the man's potential is and what he will become and the changes that he has you know and and women and men meet a woman and they want her to be exactly the same way and neither one of those rules winds up being followed because you know, nobody wants to be somebody else's brownstone fixer upper and nobody and, and people do evolve over time, but not because somebody else is making us evolve. But do, we but just I'm sorry. Do, we, we live in this age of social media and, you know, we saw it in last night's episode. So have we are we going to the dark side to where it's like we just see these pictures of what we you know, what we want to be on, you know, with Instagram we see these girls putting all this makeup on and you know Our life what, is a swipe left stri- swipe, swipe right. right. It's with even the dating services are all picture based. If you go to Match or eHarmony, yes you do a compatibility test first, but then ultimately what you're looking at is someone's photo <laughs> and if you want to go on be matched with that person. Yeah, so I think it is. We we actually human beings. I read I read um I read a New York Times article not long ago, maybe a year ago, that really distilled the extent to which human beings suck at picking partners because <laughs> the criteria that we use is so crazy and it's so dumb and it's so not scientifically grounded. Um, what is we, scientifically grounded criteria? Oh, honestly, in my world, if if I here's my fantasy. Okay. One day, I would like to have. Um, well, I wouldn't because this feels like a lot of work, but my fantasy is that somehow this would be created, um, where there was a forum to teach people relationship skills, um, emotional management skills, all these psychological skills that are so imperative to our, our functioning in day-to-day life and our ability to be in relationships with one another. And then based on the person's uh, how many courses they've taken, they get a certain number of stars next to their face. They go into this database where only people with relationship skills go, and that's like a special like match.com or something. It's like for people who have actually gone through the training, because I hear from my clients all the time, well, it's great that you taught me all these skills. I don't know, nobody else has them. Girl, ain't that the <laughs> truth? 
and so, I, and so in my fantasy, there's this, there's a forum where like people can see each other's grades, like how many stars they have, how many courses have they take, and like they reach a pinnacle, and and it's just for elite people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's, that's my. How sad are my fantasies? No, I, I was just saying last week. I wanted nutrition labels. Like, what are the side effects if I date you? Like, how many calories am I gonna burn? Like, how many of my friends am I gonna have to drop if I'm dating you? Do you have a car? Okay, fine, we can date. <laughs> but no, it's so true that that is what we need, and I think that a lot of people like. I watch a lot of TV, so now I do know that there are people out there who can teach me these skills, and that's why I watch these shows, so I can learn, but a lot of people don't know that this is a thing, that dating is something that's learned. They think you're just and supposed it's to work. go experience. It's work. It's not just meeting up and hanging out, and then all of a sudden, like, you have to actually try to get to know the person. And it's not just a late night booty call. Oh. Listen, and then you think the work is done when you're married and it really just begins because life happens and life is chaotic and life is crisis oriented. And the extent to which two people can um, weather the storms of life is predicated on how hard they're working at their relationship. I mean, it's not over. I just had a client in here um, earlier today who was just like, you know, I I go home and like by the time I get done and I, you know, I work with really high functioning neurotic New Yorkers for the most part (laughs) when I see them in, when I see them in person and not on Skype and, you know, so they're working like easily 65, 70 hours a week and they're like, you know, I come home and like, I have nothing left to give. And I'm like, that is not okay. You, you like, I don't want to like promote this bottle we'll pretend we don't know what the brand is but like you need that much in you at the end of the day you can't go home completely empty i i the last thing i want to do is talk about somebody's feelings at the end of the day please believe me but i've got friends who want me and want to talk about what's going on in their lives that's those are relationships I've got Steph next door who comes home with me. And at the end of the day, guess what? She's a woman and wants to talk about her feelings. How do you emotionally balance that? I just can't give it all away. Mm. I can't. And and so I try to have like maybe twice, three times a month, I'll be like, baby, I got nothing. I'm on fumes. <laughs> but for the most part, I have to show up with a little something to give. It is my mismanagement of my own energy if I go home and have nothing. Mm. And so um, you have to. You have to. I remember, you know, remember growing up as a kid and hearing so many of my friends' parents, the kids would want their attention and the parents would be like, honey, go play. I've got nothing left to give you. Like, that's not okay. Like, what is the purpose of life? The purpose of life is to have good, solid relationships. Speaking of good, solid relationships, last week uh, we saw the earbud uh, test that you had them go on. (laughs) And we got into a conversation here about um, letting people know are you letting people know too much or not enough? So, you know, where Callum, you know, she asked him, you know, he made a, a quite, he brought up liquor at, on the date. And yep. that kind of triggered the girl to be like, well, wait, this is a weird question. Are you an alcoholic? And he went into it. It looked like he was going to lie, but then he went into it with, you know what? Here's the deal. And then on the opposite side of that, we saw, uh, was it Aubrey? It was, well, it was Jessica was like, oh, Jessica. Jessica, don't share so much. Don't, don't share, share so much. much. 
my question to you is because I'm an open book, you know, and there gets a certain point where you're out with somebody and you kind of know, you know what, am I going to go to this place or not? Am I going to share this information or not? And my question is, is that too much information or is it? Well, if you don't tell me it now and the next time too much information the irony is is that that woman even never even asked him if he was an alcoholic that would be a completely inappropriate question okay. to ask on a first date she he said something about wanting a drink and she was like oh there you go that's the british way and and said he said it, it was i don't remember the exact transcript she never exactly asked him she didn't ask him if he was an alcoholic it was like the it was oh, do you drink a lot she said but do you drink a lot it was like that's what happens. We we hear the world and see the world through our own dirty lens. Yep. And so he leaned into like feeling like he felt like he had to justify ordering drinks or something. Like she said something like, have you had a problem with alcohol? That's what she said. Something like, have you had a problem with alcohol? I mean, all he had to say was, who as a young adult hasn't done a little over drinking that would have been the answer that would have been the end of it okay i I mean people have to earn the right to get our stories and so while you're an open book look i'm an open book also i just talked about my rageful the father (laughs) that raised me who was rageful like i am an open book also but this is a forum for which that's appropriate i meet somebody on a first you know just meeting somebody Uh, i'm not i don't lead with that you know i don't like but i've been on first dates where women have told me about their sexual molestation history and I'm just like are you trying and literally because the thoughts come in my head and out of my mouth you know for better or for worse <laughs> uh, and I've literally sat and been like are you trying to to scare me away and, and the woman was like actually yeah because if you can't handle this I don't want to go any further and I was like you know whether or not I can handle this is is a separate issue I'm evaluating whether or not you're an emotional slut and like your social acuity and right now you're not grading well Ooh, i love emotional slut i'm totally using that <laughs> mr emotional slut it's so oh. so she just needed some sort of to see uh, it's almost like an emotional vampire energy vampire where they just you, need you to tell you the story you can't rush the cord look you know we would all like to have um you know maybe maybe when we have this imaginary website up you guys will have something that says, can you handle the following childhood traumas in a partner? You know, maybe that would be part of it. But don't go around telling your first dates that you've been abused in any way, shape, or form on a first date. Because you know what it speaks to? The fact that you haven't worked through it. Mm. Yes. Amen with that. Amen. When you uh, joined the show and you saw who was going to be on the cast and kind of did your little research and back background uh, checks on them, did you kind of put together who might be interested in each other or who would kind of be linked with each no. other? Really? No, I didn't. I really, I didn't. I thought that people would hook up in the house. I didn't think people would really like each other. And that's literally what happened. Like just the opposite of the hookups. Like people really formed connections with each other, which I was really surprised about. Um, I thought people would jump at the opportunity to date a myriad of people you know, um, I was really surprised that so many of them shut that whole process down. But, you know, it was intended to be an organic experience. So I I had a role with it. Like I thought I was working with singles and then it turned out I was working with couples. And the irony <laughs> is, is that like 
My wife's the couples counselor. I work with individuals on relationship <laughs> issues. I don't work with couples, but I had to. That's so interesting. <laughs> um, I'm Skyping my wife in the morning, Steph, Steph, I've got this couple. Here are the issues. What am I doing? And she's like, it's all good, Darcy. Just keep them in the dialogue. Just have them mirror back and forth. And I'm like, okay, all right. How does but that work in you guys' relationship? You're, you specify the the getting into a relationship, and she's good with being in a relationship. Are there ever any... Are you guys learning? Do you guys learn from each other often or? You know, um, we're so human in our relationship. I would love to say that we have no problems and that we have no struggles. Um, but yeah, we are constantly fumbling and stumbling and trying to do better next week than we did last week. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we do it and sometimes we don't. But I mean, I think that if we were to to if there were some objective measurement tool, which I only wish there was because I'm such a dork, um, to measure how solid we are as as a couple, there's no doubt every six months we're better than the six months before. It's like you know, it's like you wouldn't want to weigh yourself if you were on a diet every single day because it, it goes up, it goes down, it plateaus. But like if at the end of six months it went in the direction you wanted it to go in, you're doing well. And I feel that way about Steph and me. I mean, you know, it's tricky, and it doesn't help that people. Um, often think that we're not going to have problems. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, like no, we, there's blood in our veins, and we're so imperfect, and we're such human beings. And in fact, that often will trip us up because we expect more of each other, mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't expect her to fight with me in an inappropriate way. And if she's not using her clinical skills, I'm like, hello? <laughs> like, that was an inappropriate thing to say. Wish there was a camera here. You know? <laughs> I'm such an asshole at times. I really am, and I'm so not easy to be in a relationship with. But, but at and, least you know that. I do know that. And, and and you clearly are handling it very well. Um, as far as so, one person I want to talk really talk about is Willis because I feel like a lot of women and men deal with a lot of that type of guy that that player s kind of. He just loves everybody, you know, and his love is so big and so grand. He just and has so to, fertile. yeah, and has to very share fertile. it with everybody, you know. Um, <laughs> we live in the the age of love and hip hop, where you know a lot of kids are watching these relationships on television, um, and maybe it's relatable to something in their life, but there is no conversation about it. And again, that's what I love about this show is that there is a conversation about it. Um, Women who go after these type of guys. Two kinds. They're either looking for a project and they think they're going to be the one to change them, mm. or they're unconsciously attracted to people who are unavailable. Oh. So people who are unavailable, would that be more considered as like the brandy comfort zone? Like that's where, you know, they know that he, he's unavailable, so this is just easy. I can just, I don't have to be attached. Is that That's what you meant by that? Um, you know, I hadn't thought about the whole Brandy Callum uh, scenario, but I I don't know that they're. A well, no, 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 not Callum. Brandy uh, comfortability, like how you kept saying she keeps going after these people who are unavailable because for her she knows she never has to settle in a relationship. No. Okay. So that so the look at this stuff is so complicated. <laughs> it's so multi layered. Like we could go in so deep. It's complex. Essentially, what I was saying to Brandy is, so she consciously made a decision to 
uh, flirt with, hook up with Callum because in her mind she'd be safe because he wasn't. He was going back to the UK when we were done filming. Okay, that was to safeguard her from attaching and being hurt, risking being hurt. So she would not. She would be able to have fun with him. It could be a lighthearted thing. That's what she hoped for. And then, boom, she started developing feelings. That's different from what I'm talking about. Okay. What I'm talking about is people who are unconsciously attracted to people who are unavailable to them, whether they're emotionally checked out because they're addicts or they're workaholics or they're geographically checked out because they're in. Uh, they're they don't live near you. Um, or because they are, like, in every way, shape, and form unavailable because they are married or in another in a long-term relationship, um, or because they just have a history of not wanting... Look, and I said this to Willis, I don't know if it was lost in last night's episode or the, or the weeks before. You know, monogamy is not for everyone. And what I was saying to him is, like, brother, like, if you're not feeling monogamy... Don't do it. Mm. Don't do it. Just tell the girls. Just tell them. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and like there are people who would be open to either an open relationship or polygamous relationship. I mean, you know, who's to say, look, the divorce rate hovers north of 50% at any given moment in America. Who's to say monogamy is the way? Clearly what we're doing isn't working. Right. That's very true. Mm. Um, so. And- I'm just saying honesty. Just manage other people's expectations. You know, just be... Willis is so sweet. He's handsome. He's famous. You know, famous athlete. Women are not going to stop coming on to him just because he's saying it. If anything, in some ways, that even makes him more attractive. You know? Like, oh my God, you're being this honest? Right. That's crazy. Uh, I wanted to ask about, because we see Brandy and Callum in their relationship, and then sort of the opposite of Brandy and Callum are kind of in that, oh, let's go on a date and figure this out. And then you have Polly and, Aub- and Aub- Aubrey who are all over each other. It's like and, high school. Yeah, like they're like the high school couple, and then, you know, you've got the adult couple. So when you're counseling them, and I know you're not a couple's counselor, how was it to try to balance the two different types of relationship developing? You know, communication across the board was what I worked on with these guys because um, that was the deal. Um, I think I tweeted. I think I tweeted just last night. Like walking away from a conversation because you don't like the way it's going is not an appropriate thing to do. Mm. So for Brandy and Callum, well, mostly with Callum, it was about me teaching, trying to teach him how to sit with his own discomfort. You can't just walk away from conversations. You also can't let yourself, like, shoot up from zero to 60 in, in like, the, this whole thing about having a temper. That's nothing more than poor emotional management. That's like an adult temper tantrum. There's nothing sexy or appropriate about it. In terms of Holly and Aubrey, it was, again, it was all about communication, trying to teach, trying to empower Polly to speak up for himself and to set some clear boundaries when he needed to, um, and to help Aubrey to set up safety in that dynamic because she is she's an intimidating, strong-willed, intelligent person. And so it's hard for somebody who is, you know, a people pleaser to say no to her. 
And so, you know, I don't ever blame a partner if the other partner's not honest with the partner, but I do think that both that the other partner can do a lot in in terms of setting up safety so that they look like they can handle disappointing information mm-hmm. and or completely honest information. Like, I may not like it, but I got my big girl pants on and I'm going to deal with it. I'm not going to unravel on you and I'm not going to punish you for it emotionally. So with both of those couples, I was working on teaching them how to communicate in in a more appropriate way. And nobody ever teaches us this stuff. We just wind up either being successful in life or having trouble in life when we don't have these skills. That is, that is, I love it. I love, I love you. That I wasn't you. sure if I put you to sleep. No, <laughs> I, I'm like so into it because I, I've, I keep saying it like, especially like this year, I've just been so heavy in saying, I feel like growing up, we I was just told what to think versus taught how to think. And I, I think when I, you know, working with kids, I see it all the time. You know, it's like they want to learn how to use their emotions, but instead of understanding their emotions they just act out and they don't know what they're doing and I you know it, it stems from childlike I look at adults and going into adulthood you think okay we're growing up we're using the lessons that we've learned and you come across what I'll call bad adults and who are just you realize oh wait adults are really just little kids just trying to figure it out and pretending that they're adults oh okay so really a lot of the things that you talk about and how they stem from it this childhood issue or this 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 one little thing or how you were raised and all this stuff and we feel like okay well this is what we were told to think this is what we were told to be versus breaking it apart and really utilizing and figuring out okay this is how I was told to be why was I told to be that way and figuring out the the where does it stem from is such a small part of the work that I focus on because I'm not into analyzing people's ch- childhood. But I do think that providing a framework for it, providing context yeah. for why you're attracted to and attracting a certain type of person or why you're either emotionally slutty, prone to being emotionally slutty, or, I mean, I see this all the time in people, people who are so emotionally constipated, like they have no idea how to direct how to how to properly identify an emotion Mm -hmm. so um in either you know that person was taught in their house growing up that emotions are not okay um and you just need to shove those emotions down and and not feel them and people literally unlearn their emotional intelligence you know it's crazy what would you say walking away from after after filming this show was something that you can you know obviously you've been doing this for a very long time but walking away from this show it kind of taught you something did it teach you anything different about people or did it give you any new tools that you wanted to use out in the world with clients or this experience you know um the experience actually taught me myself something about me. So I'm a Virgo and I Me like too. To be, you are? Yes, I'm Virgo. Are you like a typical Virgo? Yes. Are you like psycho? Hard-headed, neurotic, psycho, <laughs> yes. like very controlling and all that good stuff yes. that we are? Yes, yes, he is. And I'm gay too. <laughs> you know, and like your office, your everything's perfectly organized and like in its right place and everything oh, like yeah. that. So and then I you know, earlier in the when we were talking earlier, I said to you, I got to this set and I couldn't 
there, I, there were no decisions. The only decisions I could make were the words that came out of my mouth. So it was such an exercise in emotional flexibility for me and in surrendering. And um, it was just that for me, that was the biggest trip mm. of this experience of filming this was just, you know, I had no, I, I had to relinquish control. And, um, and it was a great, great exercise for me because I can be, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I make my yeah. own rules. I, you know, they're, they're at this point you feel you don't, you, you would feel you didn't have to be that way. You don't have to do that. And it, that, so I'm impressed that you're vocally telling us that because I think that's something that a lot of people in a, a high position like you would not want to share that because we live in this world of wanting to guard that 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 type of um, intimate emotion. You know what? If that is too much pressure for me, I can't. I can't. Um, you know, it's bad enough that I have. There's a part of me that's deluded enough to try and actually be perfect, and I'm aware of that. And that's you're part Virgo. of the Virgo thing. <laughs> yeah. Um. But but the, my thinking brain is very aware of I'm not going to feed that monster. And so, um, I, yeah, I would just feel like if I put it out there myself, then I under promise and hopefully over deliver. It sets the whole thing up so that I come out smelling good. I like that <laughs> under promise over deliver I like that. I need to start using that in my life. OK, so season two. If you could work with a celebrity, is there any celebrity out there, your dream celebrity, that you could be like, I need to talk to this person? I want to talk from talk to Scott from the Kardashians. Oh, that's a, he would good, be a one. good one. <laughs> Actually, you know what? We should just get all the Tyga, Lamar. We should just do the leftovers from the Kardashians, especially with Dr. Darcy. The ex-boyfriends, right? Yes. The exes. The exes special. There you How go. funny would that be? Because we fill the whole room. I would need four and four. We could. You know what? I think we could. I'm going to send you an email after this show, girl. <laughs> gonna, we, Dr. Darcy about to take over 2017, y'all, coming into this new new year. Um, get out so that season two is in New York. I would love that. Well, girl, we'll figure out. I mean, I love New York. Talk to you. So I, love New I, would, York. I would love to see them running around New York doing this because I feel in LA you get to sit at the house and kind of live in your own element in New York you're forced to be with other people and, and you're you neurotic in New York you're all over your the energy place. is up and you're like no yes let's go out and meet people let's leave this place instead of the comfort of a mansion with like a pool let's just lay up by the pool and chill it's New York City you got to get up and go and yep. East Coast mentality, yeah, way different. Um, Doctor yeah. Darcy, what other than the show? Uh, what else are you working on? Or do you have like, do you have a book I can read, girl? Because I'm single <laughs> AF, and I could use all the help I could get. And I can't date the same guy for anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I'm clearing that is myself. Awesome. I love that. Um, so Steph and I are launching a course called Relationship Skills Boot Camp. Funny yeah. you should ask. Um, that should be launched in the next two weeks, and it's going to be a nine-week online course where everyone starts at the same time and ends at the same time because we're actually creating accountability for all the participants. We're going to have live office hours, and basically the, the over the course of nine weeks, people are going to learn everything they need to learn about relationship skills. Mm. So starting from why we're attracted to people, um, who may not have worked for us in the past. And, and, it, and it's, it's both for single people and for coupled people because if you're in a couple, then you're actually, I mean, it, it's even harder to learn these skills because now you have a pattern of relating with another person and it's hard to break that. It's, 
you know, we, we always like the fresh start with a new person yep. because mm-hmm. we can kind of reinvent ourselves, we think. Um, and, and it is easier with a brand new person, but truthfully, um, coupled people are are absolutely appropriate for this, as are single people. And the beauty of being single is to learn these skills when then your next great, your next relationship becomes your next, becomes a great one, you know? And it's not just about intimate partners. It's about working with your colleagues. Once you have, I use the same relationship skills that I learned through trial and error with Nextdoor. I use them with my clients and my family and my friends. I use them with everyone. Um, so yeah, so relationship skills boot camp coming soon. And, uh, and it's going to be a, it's going to be an amazing ride for for people who want to have a deep dive on relationship skills and seriously want to get down to business and work because I'm telling you there's a minimum of an hour a day 7 days a week of homework that will be checked um so it's not that we call it boot camp for a reason it's like the more days than not it'll be 2 plus hours a day of homework but once you learn these skills this is like the gift that keeps on giving. You'll have them for the rest of your life. Wow. And what's that website? Tiana, we signed up for this. What's that website again? <laughs> it's, it's not live yet. It's it's going it'll be live in the next two weeks. Relationshipskillsbootcamp.com. And uh, if we uh, to keep us in contact for that, where can everyone follow you on social media? So um, my blog is askdrdarcy.com. My Twitter handle is Dr. Darcy Sterling. And I believe that's my Instagram as well. Yes. And I believe that is my Facebook as well. If DR doesn't work as doctor, it's D-O-C-T-O-R. Boom. Okay. Sometimes well, that's taken, you know? Yeah. You know, hey. <laughs> well, Dr. Darcy, we want to thank you so much for, again, yes. penciling us in. And uh, hopefully we can get you in before the end of the season to get kind of a total recap. Because I know we couldn't talk about everybody and everyone's stories and situations. Uh, but we would love to have you back on uh, again before the season goes out. Yay! Thank you. Thanks, guys. This awesome. thing's so much fun. Thank Thanks. you, and tell Steph we said hey. Yeah. <laughs> well, bye. Bye. Oh, girl. All right, we uh, signed up for that course. I need that course in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I need it so bad in my life. Okay. All right, y'all. We want to thank you guys for tuning in. I know we didn't go over a lot of the episodes, so we got you guys next week. But there's kind of a big reason why. Should we tell them? I think we should. This Friday, AfterBuzz TV and Netflix are joining together for the first ever official Netflix After Show. And me and Tiana are going to be on the panel. It's for Stranger Things. It's an original Netflix uh, show. It's amazing. Like Steven Spielberg. 80s horror sci-fi. It's got E.T. Goonies. It's got all your favorite 80s movies, cult classics that you love combined into one and awesome show. And Winona writing. Yeah. Writer. Like, I can't get better like, than that. Honestly, better? eight episodes. Uh, it needed to be 18. Clear but... your Friday, your Saturday, and just watch the show and watch our after show afterwards. Which will be on youtube.com backslash Netflix. But we want to thank you guys for tuning in to this. Uh, we love you guys. Make sure you guys tune in next week for Famously Single After Show with another special guest. Stay tuned. Bye. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. 
to watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.